The year is 2004. Americans are shocked by photos of U.S. soldiers torturing and humiliating detainees at the Abu Ghraib prison in Iraq. George Bush defeats John Kerry to win a second term as president. Massachusetts becomes the first state to legalize same-sex marriage. And that year, the Pulitzer Prize for Drama went to I Am My Own Wife by Doug Wright. My name is Jan Simpson. Welcome to All the Drama, a podcast about the plays and musicals that have won American theater's highest accolade, the Pulitzer Prize for Drama. My own wife told the real-life story of a trans woman who lived openly under both the Nazi regime during World War II and the Soviet-backed East German government during the Cold War. One actor played some 40-plus characters, including the playwright, and the play became the first and so far only solo show to ever win the Pulitzer. Born and raised in Dallas, Texas in 1962, Doug Wright caught the theater bug early. He was president of his high school's thespian club, studied theater and art history at Yale, where he wrote his first play, and then went on to get an M.A. in playwriting at NYU. His breakout came in 1995 with Quills, a play about the infamous sexual outlaw, the Marquis de Sade. It premiered at the Willie Mammoth Theater Company in Washington, D.C., moved to New York Theatre Workshop, where it won an Obie for Outstanding Achievement in Playwriting, and was eventually made into a film with Jeffrey Rush, Kate Winslet, Joaquin Phoenix, and Michael Caine. But in the early 90s, before the Quill's success, Wright got a letter from a childhood friend who was working as a journalist covering the reunification of Germany after the fall of the Berlin Wall. The letter talked about an East German antiquarian named Charlotte von Malsdorf, who had been born as a male named Lothar Burfeld, but had changed her name and lived as a woman nearly all her life. Believing that he had found a gay heroine, Wright wrote von Malsdorf, asking her for the first of what would become two dozen interviews and a friendship that lasted until Charlotte's death in 2002. But as Wright details in My Own Wife, turning their conversations into drama wasn't easy. And the task became even more complicated when evidence emerged that Charlotta had been an informant for the East German secret police known as the Stasi and had betrayed friends, probably as a way to remain free herself. Wright found his way into the story through a series of improvisations that he, director Moises Kaufman, and actor Jefferson Mays tried out during workshop sessions at the Sundance Theatre Lab. The result was a series of scenes that related the story Charlotta told about her life, including supposedly killing her abusive father when she was a teenager, and later running an underground nightclub for East Germany's secret gay community. But it also recounted the challenges and the process of turning those tales into the play. 
Praise was nearly unanimous when I Am My Own Wife officially premiered at Playwrights Horizons in May 2003 and then transferred to Broadway just seven months later, where it ran for 306 performances. Wrote the New Yorker's theater critic John Lahr, whatever the historical truth, Wright's play offers at least a theatrical truth, the enduring thrill of the human encounter. My own wife went on to win the Drama Desk Award for Best New Play, the Lucille Ortel Award for Outstanding Solo Show, the Lambda Literary Award for Drama, and Tony Awards for Best Play, Best Direction of a Play, and Best Lead Actor in a Play, and, of course, the Pulitzer. Doug Wright's subsequent stage work has focused on creating the books for such musicals as Grey Gardens, The Little Mermaid, Hands on a Hard Body in War Paint. Meanwhile, productions of My Own Wife continue to sprout up around the country and around the world. And in recent years, some of them have also featured trans actors. So you can understand why I was so excited when Doug accepted my invitation to talk about the afterlife of I Am My Own Wife. Hi, Doug. Hey, how are you? Great. Thanks for um, for doing this. Um, I wanted to start off really basically and ask, do you remember how you got the news that I Am My Own Wife had won the Pulitzer? I do. It was, at least for me, it feels dramatic. I was uh, down at the New York Theater Workshop on East 4th Street uh, directing a play reading that afternoon, a very eccentric Austrian play about three washerwomen. Uh, and uh, the three wonderful actresses were in the middle of the second scene, and this intern came in and tapped me on the shoulder. And I kept pushing him away, saying, I can't walk out in the middle of a play reading. And finally, he, he just got very insistent and grabbed my hand so and pulled me from the room. And I got on the phone with our press representative for I Am My Own Wife. And he told me the news and said, uh, I have 50 reporters waiting online to talk to you. Can I start putting them through? And uh, so I missed the rest of the play reading. Oh, uh, bad. Yeah, <laughs> but it was an exhilarating afternoon, as you might imagine. Absolutely. And it was, and I think it still is, the um, first and only one-person show to win the prize. That's what I'm told. I think that is true. And it's uh, it's so deeply gratifying to me because that's a form that a lot of people sometimes have an allergic reaction to. Uh, and in fact, when we first started uh, working on the piece together, Moises and Jefferson and I said, okay, what do we hate about one person shows? Let's make a list. And we made a list of all the conventions that we found tiresome in that form and, and sort of pasted it up on the rehearsal wall and, and guaranteed one another that we wouldn't uh, uh, use any of them. So uh, it was really satisfying when, in spite of the fact it was a one-person <laughs> show, they still did it worthy. <laughs> now, did this sort of recognition, um, not sort of, this recognition make it easier or h harder for you to go on to your next project? You know, it's interesting. My flip answer is no, but, but I couldn't help noticing that my next two or three projects were all musicals, 
Mm-hmm. And I only say that because uh, with musicals, there are always more people to blame. Uh, <laughs> like you're, you're working with a lyricist and you're working with a composer and it's such a collaborative beast, uh, the musical comedy, that there are other people supporting you and holding you up and, and other people that you have to answer to. And it did take me a while before I got up the courage again to fly solo and write another play. Uh, I, I do think, I, I've always kind of said for me that the great gift of the Pulitzer, and I really mean this sincerely, is on your dark days as a writer, you can remember that there was one shining, glorious moment when the general consensus was that you could write. And, and that's really fortifying on, on the tough days. Uh, the other reality is it doesn't mean more than that. It doesn't mean you get a pass when your next play opens, or it doesn't mean that they go back and reevaluate all your work and decide in retrospect that some of the plays are somehow better than they thought at the time. It, it really means that that one time up at bat, good for you, you did well. I want to go back a little bit to um, when you were writing uh, the play. You obviously detail part of the experience within the play itself, but I was wondering how, if at all, you were influenced by the political energy of the time. In 2003, we've got Lawrence v. Um, Texas, where the Supreme Court rules that intimate consexual um, sexual conduct is protected um, under the 14th Amendment. And we've got the legalization of gay marriage in Massachusetts. I just wonder, what's that floating around in your head? I think in all honesty, Charlotta's story itself brought those things to mind. In other words, there was no way of talking to Charlotta about her life and investigating those years when she lived under the Nazis first and then the Stasi later without seeing the contemporary resonance. So uh, so I guess what I'm trying to, uh, to be distinct about here is it's not that I saw those cultural currents and endeavored to create a narrative in my play that would reflect them. The reality was Charlotta's life simply reflected them. And in in telling the story of her life in a relatively straightforward and unadorned way, the piece referenced those events, if not explicitly, then certainly thematically. Does that distinction make sense? It does. One of the things I'm particularly um, uh, struck by is that you wrote this play, you began working on it about two decades after Stonewall. And today, Uh it's, it's now widely accepted that trans women were in the vanguard that evening. But at the time you were working on the play, transgender people were still somewhat marginalized by, I think, both the wider society and even some parts of the gay community. So I was wondering, what was it about her, her story, that drew you to her in the context of this uneasiness about transgender people at the time? Well, I guess I do feel like, uh, certainly as a member of 
the gay community, we're all acutely aware of our own marginalization in, in the larger culture and the ways in which we combat that. But even within our community, we have our own hierarchies and biases, and uh, we are not without our own unfortunate flaws in that regard. And I think uh, trans people for a long time, even within the gay community, were marginalized. And it took us a long time to recognize that, in fact, they were some of our most profound liberators. And uh, I've always had an affection for the underdog, and I've always felt that it's the most marginalized person in the room who can usually tell the biggest truths hmm. about the culture they find themselves trapped in. And so if, if gay men are marginalized in the straight world, then trans people are even at times marginalized in the gay world. And I think that meant uh, Charlotta had twice as many truths to tell as the rest of us. I would say that her story and and your presentation particularly of her story has really helped to move the conversation about transgender people and 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 about their rights and i i wonder if you now see the play in a different light in in the in the sense that we're in a different conversation now uh, it, it's generous of you to say that it's had impact, and I hope that it has. I'm also increasingly aware with the passage of almost 20 years now since the play was on Broadway that now it's the trans community who's coming back and educating me about the play. Hmm. And and uh, in a way, it's, it's uh, at the time I wrote the play, the trans community was, still something of an unknown. And, and since that time, they have become so proactive on their own behalf. They have made their own needs known with such a profound passion and intelligence. And they have educated the entire culture about trans experience and what it means. And also how it is distinct and its own journey from, say, the coming out process of a gay man. And so... Uh, uh, I do think that now, more often than not, uh, I learn from them. And I know that there there was a recent production of the play uh, where almost all of the designers and the creatives involved in its realization were trans individuals. And they pointed out to me how there are moments in the text when the character of Doug, upon meeting Charlotta and seeing her in her feminine garb, exoticizes her hmm. or has the reaction, isn't this peculiar? Isn't this strange? And how now, happily, that's a dated reaction. Mm -hmm. uh, and now, uh, 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 if it were me today, there would probably be automatic acceptance. And so there are ways in which, even as an ally uh, to the trans Community. There are times when I am blind to, I guess, what you could call some of the very unintentional microaggressions that the character of Doug perpetuates in the play. And so that, to me, has been a very welcome education. And on a certain level, it, it does mark the play as a period piece now. And that period is, you know, the middle 90s when it's set. Uh, and, and that's okay. That's okay to me because every... Every uh, play that initially breaks ground 
it usually it, uh, becomes uh, both increasingly relevant and increasingly anachronistic. <laughs> and I think that's going to be true of that play as well. But now I really look for the, to the trans community to, to talk to me about the play. And I, uh, I listen to them now instead of uh, uh, always uh, uh, talking about the play uh, from my own gay male perspective. Hmm. Those of us who, who saw it both at Playwrights Horizons for its official premiere and when it moved to Broadway were wowed by Jefferson Mays's performance. But I'm reading that increasingly, or at least in some places, trans actors are playing Charlotta. And I've wondered if you've seen any of those performances I have seen, I've been very fortunate, and I've seen uh, two remarkable actors in particular tackle the material. In in Chicago, the About Face Theater, where the play originated uh, way, way back in, in the early 2000s, uh, they uh, remounted the play with a wonderful local actor, Delia Kropp, who uh, did a gorgeous, nuanced, deeply felt job as Charlotta. And the Longworth Theater in New Haven an extraordinary performer by the name of Mason Alexander Park. And uh, both of these individuals were would identify as trans. And they were both uh, wildly accomplished and, and, and really beautiful uh, evocations of Charlotta and her world. I would also say that I have seen trans people who were lesser actors fail in the role. And I have seen really, really, really gifted cis straight males like Jefferson be absolutely transcendent in it. I am still awaiting uh, the day when uh, a cis female steps into Charlotte's uh, black dress and pearls and and attempts the role. Uh, There there are some people that believe that a trans person should play the role uh, to the exclusion of other actors. I tend to be a little less uh, ardent about that. I, I certainly respect and honor the, uh, the the notion that trans people should have more acting opportunities. And when the part reflects their own experience so blatantly, then they should have a first chance at that role. I completely understand that. Uh, I also know, though, that uh, Charlotta was operating out of a very late 19th century idea of human sexuality, and and the scholar that she uh, read most assiduously was Magnus Hirschfeld, who uh, didn't really have an evolved trans vocabulary. This was the the German uh, sex researcher, is that correct? Exactly. He was a precursor to uh, Kinsey, if you will. And... uh, he didn't really have trans language. And so when I asked Charlotta if she identified as trans, and in particular when I asked her if uh, gender reassignment surgery was of any interest to her, she said no. And she said that she would always be a female spirit in a male body and that she liked her male body and she loved her female spirit. Now, I think that had a lot to do with Charlotta's conditioning from the, the, her days reading and studying Magnus Hirschfeld, and had she been born in a different era and uh, been aware of uh, different sexologists and dif- different aspects of that experience, she may well have recontextualized that and identified herself as trans. I can't speak for her that way, 
Uh, but it's always uh, led me to believe that an actor's gender uh, preference or choice shouldn't always be the primary consideration in casting the role, although I certainly honor and endorse all those trans actors that have, that have done it. I think all great plays allow new interpretations as time goes on. And, um, and I think we can put this in that, in that category. And I think it's lovely and, and, and generous spirited of you to allow it to grow in that way uh, as well. So, uh, oh, well, thank you very thank, much. Thank you uh, for that. Thank you for the play. And thank you so very much for talking uh, with us about it. Really, really appreciate it. An absolute pleasure. Thank you. Doug and I did the interview you just heard a few weeks ago before the Warner Theater in Torrington, Connecticut, decided to cancel its production of I Am My Own Wife after members of the transgender community objected to the theater's casting a cisgender man to play Charlotta. The theater's executive director, Rufus Durham, told the local newspaper, The Hartford Current, that, quote, the intent was to tell this story from a sympathetic and respectful place. But this is a changing conversation that is happening in the world, end quote. And indeed, the conversation about transgender people is changing. That's a good thing, but it's not always an easy thing. Jerome told The Current that his theater has reached out to trans consultants and will undergo training in cultural sensitivity. As I said during my talk with Doug Wright, I think I am my own wife and the prestige it earned as a winner of the Pulitzer Prize for Drama helped to open space for that kind of sensitive conversation to happen. But of course, the struggle continues. In the meantime, thanks for listening. We hope you'll come back next time and that you'll listen to all the other Broadway radio podcasts and that if you aren't already doing so, you'll consider making a contribution to support our work, which you can do at patreon.com slash broadwayradio.